This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice. Hi, I'm Annie Charlip. I'm an associate category manager for Topco. What I love about grocery is that it's really personal to everyone, and it tells the story at some point in your life where you were and how you got to where you are. Um, for example, Roach Brothers is really personal to me because when I was 16 years old, it was the first place I drove when I got my license because it was the only place I knew how to get to. And then when I went to college in Michigan, I went to Meyer all the time to get stuff because it was really cheap and it was a fun experience and everyone had really cool Midwestern accents. You're listening to Grocery is Your Business. Covering the intersection of innovation and business in the food and grocery industries. Recorded on location. Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Rako on location in San Diego, California at NGA, or the National Grocers Association Big Giant Expo, a really exciting event. And uh, sitting next to me is Mr. Sterling Hawkins, who, of course, as you may know, is the co founder of CART, the Center for Advancing Retail and Technology. Mr. Sterling Hawkins, how are you, sir? I'm very well. Thanks for having me again, Mark. All right, very, of course, of course. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure who's having who. Yeah, <laughs> we're just trying to keep you. Keep That's up. It. I know exactly. So, also with us, of course, uh, Annie Charlip uh, from Topco. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Um, I'd like to start out with your title uh, because I think it'll get to the root of really what you do and being at something like NGA what your missions really here are. You're an associate category manager for Topco. Uh, First, let's just start for anyone under a rock who doesn't completely understand what Topco is all about. Why don't you just kind of unpack that quickly and then tell us what being an associate category manager, what the hell that is. Absolutely. So Topco is a cooperative and we're owned by our grocery retailers who we refer to as members. And we work on their behalf. So I focus on marketing and it's procurement that I'm looking at. So anytime one of our grocery retailers needs a service, I will go out, I'll kind of do an RFP, I'll do an exploration, figure out who the best fit is for them, and then I will source it for them. So here at NGA, what that means is that I'm trying to find out who's new, who's exciting, and also if someone isn't newer to the industry, what has changed since I last met with them, say, six months ago. So you're a bit of a detective uh, for an ear to the ground of like new that. information. You're welcome. You, need that you can on use the it. Take card. it. Take it. I like it. She's an associate category manager slash detective. Detective. It's yours. You can use it. Thank and you. then the second thing that it sounds like you are is you are a shared resource in a way. You are you you are a resource with um, with an arsenal of knowledge and other resources available to you that would be very expensive and difficult for an individual retailer to amass. And because you sh- you're shared across a number of retailers, it's accomplishable. So you, you're able to lend yourself and that expertise and resources out to them to accomplish those missions. Is that a fair? That's, that's my goal. I try to be like an in-house consultant for our retailers and just try to be a wealth of knowledge that they wouldn't otherwise have the time to accomplish on their own because they're so busy. I try to pick up the pieces for them. How much of it is actual marketing versus, say, ear to the ground for innovation? I'd say... 
it's really both. Maybe it's a 50-50 split. Okay. And one does connect with the other. Of course. Obviously, some of the innovation will help them market more accurately, more effectively. It will. And I usually look at marketing technology. So I'd say that's where the innovation piece comes in, too. Um, so, you know, companies like Birdseye or cart they'll help yeah. that also and we'll try to learn from one another too like right. sterling can talk to and it sounds like you're a bit of a matchmaker as well if i'm retailer x y or z looking for an e-commerce solution you can find the right one for them exactly and that's what's so cool about topco too is that our retailers are all over the country mm. so they have different needs based on where they are who their target customers are and it's not a one-size-fits-all type solution. So exactly like what you're saying, that type of matchmaking has to come into play. Yeah, there's such diversity in retail, which is one of the coolest things about it, right? You know, a retailer in the Northeast is very different than somebody down in Louisiana. And even national chains, you get some uh, differences within their different regions. How do you kind of go through your process to prioritize what's right for them? Do you have kind of a standard process or working through that seems like maybe a secret sauce that you have? I'd say a lot of it is just listening and saying, asking the right questions to the retailer and say, what are your goals? What are your challenges too? And what are your obstacles? So if an obstacle is budget or an obstacle is bandwidth, those are two different things. So a lot of times, you know, your obstacle is that you don't have enough time. So I need to find a solution that not only is affordable, but also a solution that is turnkey. So it will do the work for the retailer. So that's really important just to know what it is that the retailer is trying to get out of the solution too. What would you say in more recent times, let's say over the last year, have you been finding seems to be the most consistent ask that you're just finding I'm picking up on an attitude, a trend, uh, a growing need that we need to get ahead of and maybe even be more proactive on bringing this to our clients because everyone's going to be asking about it anyway. So I would say consistently across our membership, our retailers are looking for personalization solutions and then also how you can tie that into social media. So really how you can get one-to-one with customers, but also not to have a whole fleet of a media team working on your side because in reality, our regional grocers don't have that kind of bandwidth to have a whole marketing team that can divide and conquer all these different aspects of marketing and social media. How much of what you think that, the, or how much of what they're asking for do you think is dreaming and unrealistic what they want to accomplish um, and, and you're excited that they have interest in it, but what they're trying to accomplish may not, may not be within the confines of what's really executable versus great, I see they're seeing the light, this can really advance their business, and then you have to do some education about what's really possible. Is that a fair question? I think that's a fair question. So I'd say that it's really not up to me fully to decide and tell the retailer what you want is impossible. I have to go find the solution. So it's up to me to go to the supplier who's providing technology and say, I need you to make this happen and I need you to be honest and transparent and let me know where your capabilities end and begin. Because if you're not honest with me on that, that's where we're really going to have an upset customer, an upset retailer, and that's not going to make anybody look good. So just making sure that I'm delivering the expectations, but also that I'm finding the need and finding out that I can find a solution for that need. And does this start to shortcut some sales cycle? I mean, the grocery industry is infamous for long decision-making, where it takes you know one year, two years, sometimes three years to make decisions. Do you see your role supporting that or driving that or maybe cutting some of that time down to get to market faster? 
So I totally agree. It's a really long sales cycle. And I do think it comes through some of the noise because, you know, you meet five different people who all say they're competing against one another. It's my job to really be that quote unquote detective and figure out, can I cut through, cut to the chase? What do you actually do? So I, I do think it cuts down some of that time on the retailer's behalf. So it does, in a sense, I guess, shorten the sales cycle. So being an NGA now, I imagine it's it's a bit of obviously there's there's an opportunity business development opportunity here for you, um, and you're scouting also looking at new things that people are doing that you'll be prepared to bring to people because you've seen it and you know about it and educating yourself on it. What have you seen so far, if anything, here that makes you go, "Ooh, that's pretty interesting," that I didn't know that that was out or that was something that could be done or or a product that was a solution that was ready um, or are you seeing no surprises here? I would love to say that I'm totally surprised by everything, but I think it's more a surprise how many competitors there are and how many people doing the same thing. Hmm. So I'm hoping to be a little bit more surprised as the day goes on and have someone tell me why they're so different. That's always my question is why are you so different than say XYZ competitor? And I'm hoping to see more of that and have people really know themselves. And I think suppliers really need to know themselves of what their turnkey solution is if they have one. And if not, be honest about it. So just being transparent about what it is that really makes you different from other suppliers. Yeah, especially these days because it feels like everybody has their fingers in pretty much everything. And they've got some cloud component and some API and something else. And it's very fuzzy where one solution starts and the other one ends. Absolutely. It's like playing bingo. There's certain keywords, AI, (laughs) API. What do you hit? What do you miss? So, One of the things that's challenging for me, because we look at, you know, a thousand new solutions every year is to uncover, well, what's actually AI? And oftentimes I need to bring in other experts. Do you have those experts inside of Topco or do you use references outside of it? So I actually really rely on the suppliers in that part. While I love to be the head of thought leadership, I really have to rely on them because my expertise is not in creating programming and being this whole data analyst as much as I like to be that. You're not an AI person? No, I'm not. I'm really not. That wasn't my strong suit in business school. So I have to rely on the suppliers a lot of times to bring their solution down to an understanding that is relatable for everyone because that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is you have to be able to communicate the solution up to the top level executive in your company explain to them what it does because not everyone is in the weeds so i try to really understand what the solution is both in the weeds but also get that ten thousand foot view of it too but how do you do that How, how do you do that and avoid just presenting a sales pitch to your client because the expert from the supplier they're trying to sell what they have and they're going to present things within a context that is useful for them to sell their service. Of course they would do that. Um, how do you make sure that what your client is getting is as objective as possible and a full picture? Uh, I, I don't mean to suggest people are unscrupulous about the way they're going about things, but, um, are you, are you always trying to, to offer several different views from different suppliers so that your client can get the full picture? Or is that being presented to you and then you're whittling that down into something that is a f- global view of, of, of the, the issue? So I try to put some guardrails in place, and I actually work closely with our retailers to do that. So when I'm sourcing an initiative, that's what we call them, the projects we work on, 
when I'm sourcing something, I will ask the retailers and say, so what is our threshold? What does this supplier need to check off for you in order for them to be considered or taken to the next level in this whole sourcing process? I did that recently with personalization. And I had a call with about 11 different Topco retailer members and said to them, all right, let's, let's set the bar here. What do the suppliers need to have in order to compete with what you're looking for? And that actually helped us go from about 17 suppliers down to a short list of seven. So I think that was a better use of everyone's time. And then we had those seven suppliers present to our membership in person. Nice. It's a great way to do it. And what about the other side of it? After one of your members adopts a solution, do you follow up at all? Is that also part of your team or that's another role? It's not necessarily part of our team. It's just something I like to do because it's really important for me to know, you know, was my recommendation useful or why not? How did we do? Right. How did we do? And how is it working for you? Because these are relationships at the end of the day. They're not business transactions with our retailers. We work on their behalf. So I want to make sure that they're happy. And also, if I need to do some course correction, I still have those relationships with the suppliers, too, so that I can fix what's already in place and then prevent it from happening in the future, too, the next time a different retailer wants to go with that same solution. Uh Because then you know it at a much more granular level to say, well, they talk about this, but this is actually what happens. Exactly. I have to know where the red flags are. But how do you avoid... uh... Because you must have uh, multiple members who are maybe technically competitors to each other. How, how do you provide the same solution to two competitors that when for one of them it's going to be a competitive edge? So Topco has a strategy for our membership. And we have everyone who's part of it be strategically placed geographically so we don't have too many competitors. And if they're in the same geographic region, they're usually a different demographic that they're targeting to. So, yes, sometimes we get two retailers in the same room and they say, oh, I don't want to sit next to that retailer because they're down the street. But that doesn't really happen too often. And I think that's the understanding with Topco in general is that if we aggregate everyone's spend and resources, too, that we'll all be better off in the end. So I think everyone does work together pretty well. Yeah, I think it's also how retailers are applying the technology. I mean... Most everybody's got an iPhone or some kind of smartphone these days, but we all use yeah. them totally different. Absolutely. You know, the apps that I have are different than yours, different than Mark's. Yeah. When it comes down to it, you've got to use that technology to really drive some kind of ROI or customer experience or whatever it might be. Definitely. All right. So um, let's just switch switch over to uh, looking at the human side, I mean, for a second, on a more personal basis. Uh, I, I don't know why, but I have a burning question, and I want to know... What is an app that you have on your phone that people would probably be pretty surprised that you had? Maybe a guilty pleasure. I love Poshmark and okay. eBay <laughs> because I don't know if people would be surprised by this, but I like to turn a profit. So anytime I can resell something I own, you are in retail. I love it. Yeah. Um, I have been known to sell other family members' items without them knowing. So that did create a little bit of tension in my household when I actually sold a Patagonia my fiancé gave me as a gift, and he saw it was listed. Oops. But in my defense, I think it was secondhand. And you turned a profit, so really. I did. I ended up Venmoing him what I earned off of it because I felt so guilty. But now we have more closet space as a result. Right. For the new jacket. Exactly. Yeah. And where do you find your inspiration? For work or just personally? When I was little, I always told my parents I want to be the boss when I grow up. 
So I try not to be bossy of other people, but be the boss of myself and try to be the best version I can be. And I think that helps me to then partner better with other people and help them get the best work out of me that I can. That is such a great answer. I, I love that so it much. Is. All right, how can people connect with the things that you're doing uh, if they want to connect with you directly? Is there a way that they could do that? Yeah, absolutely. I think LinkedIn is a great place to start because it does sort of show your full background where you've been in the past. Um, so anyone's welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Annie Charlip. And that's C-H-A-R-L-I-P? Correct. Okay, great. Well, Annie Charlip, the Associate Category Manager slash Detective for Topco. <laughs> slash Detective. That's right. It was really great to have you on the show. Thank you for taking time away from NGA to join us. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And Sterling, thanks so much again for joining in. Always a pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right, that's it for this episode. On location in San Diego, California at NGA. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Until then, I'm Mark Rako. Bye-bye. This has been Grocery is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.